Welcome to the Philip Levy Show, discussing health, wealth, and life. Here we go. The thing about chivalry is that it ain't always as simple as holding a door open. It can lead you down a path unintended from your original. Now that can be by a little, or it can be by a lot. In this case, the path taken was enough for even old Robert Frost himself to say, hang on a minute. Now this night began like so many others did back then, the gradual warmth rising to signal the onset of springtime in Memphis. It was humid, humid as hell actually, but us southern kids grew up in this, so we didn't mind. I'm 18 years old, out with my boys and several of the cutest girls in school. It's a Thursday night, and we were all fresh-faced seniors in high school. Some of us with fake IDs, some of us with tough, smooth talk to get ourselves in without one, and some of us already riding heavy enough not to need another beverage for at least a few hours. Some call it a blessing, and some may call it a curse, but I've always been able to drink with the best of them. Ever since I was 13 years old, I was never one to turn down a challenge. And back in those days, it usually involved putting beers away. On this particular evening, I was somewhere in between feeling great and riding heavy. Me and two of my best friends were out on a Thursday night to experience our very first nightclub with four girls from our local high school. It just so happened that Thursday night was teen night at this establishment, The Spot, so it was 18 to party and 21 to drink. As I mentioned, most of us were already coming in hot to this party, so whether or not the bouncers liked our fake IDs, we could always fall back on the go change clothes and come back as a completely different person backup plan. Still ready to have a great time. In case you're wondering, yes, we did bring changes of clothes for just such an occasion. What's that Boy Scout motto again? Be prepared. That's right. We're walking from the Hotel Ponotoc with my brother from another mother, Jamie Davis, a local legend these days and muchacho numero uno since before either of us could walk. Jamie is still to this day like a brother to me, and in high school, his casa was home base for some serious debauchery. But we're not going to get into that here. The important thing is that we were all coming from the historic Hotel Pontotoc, Jamie's family home since birth, and we're all walking the streets of Memphis, Tennessee at around 9 p.m. on our way to our very first nightclub experience. It couldn't have been more than a mile or so's walk from the pregame palace that was the Hotel Pontotoc, and we were all on foot, dressed to the nines, full of life and the potential that lay upon the road ahead. What was to come? Ready to have a great time and mix it up a bit. Well, along the way, the literal way, the streets of Memphis were, and still are in some cases, lit with the old-style sodium street lights that burned that unnatural orange and lit up the night in a way that lit things up kind of funny and had been known to throw off shafts of light that played tricks on the eyes. We'd been walking for some time, and after a while, I got the urge to relieve myself. Now, when I said I could drink with the best of them, I wasn't lying, but when it's time to go, it was time to go, and the tank took a while to empty. Now, because of this fact, I knew that I would need a bit of privacy, not wanting to look ungentlemanly in front of the fairer of the sex in our merry troop. I sought out a place to relieve myself with some semblance of decorum and privacy. 
Now, some may not realize this, but my dear home of Memphis, Tennessee, is not only a town of blues, soul food, and rock and roll, but it is also a town of commerce, a town steeped in the history of the trade of the mighty Mississippi River. I share this with you in order to paint a picture of the night unfolding. Streets cast in an orange glow. A pack of kids making their way on a rite of passage, if you will, through the old industrial sectors of the city on a hunt for thrills, fun, and maybe a little bit of trouble. Old abandoned brick buildings, then a few wood buildings, then another brick building, seemingly endless. All old warehouses, storage and such, cast under the orange glow of this heavy, humid spring night in Memphis. We're walking along, and now the urge is really getting to me, to the point where it's affecting my stride. They say, when you gotta go, you gotta go, and that's so true that it was all that I could think about. We roamed sidewalks of concrete with the endless walls of brick adjacent, all the while me looking for a place to quietly slip to the side and relieve myself. The funny thing about that sensation when you're about to literally burst is that it's all you can think about. Time seems to draw out like an endless horizon, long and slow and singular, endless. All I wanted to do was relieve myself on a wall out of sight of the ladies that we were with. Was that so much to ask? I wasn't being given any chance to be a gentleman here and was considering throwing in the towel and relieving myself right there on the street. All of a sudden, a gap in the buildings presented itself. A low wall and a dark space that could only be an empty lot or someone's yard. It was not uncommon for a residence to be tucked away amidst the brick and iron of the Memphis industrial sector, and I thought, hey, what luck. They say desperate times call for desperate measures, and I felt that I had been thrown a bone from the man above. This was perfect. I told the friends I was with to go on ahead, and that I would catch up with them after I had done my business. They obliged and made their way along further down the old downtown side street. As I mentioned, there was a low wall to this yard, and it was old. It was the kind of wall that was cast from concrete, rough to the touch with little pebbles jutting up from the original pour. A sure sign of age, likely from the erosion of 60 or 70 changes in the weather since being first put there. It was the kind of wall you wouldn't want to catch a knuckle on. At the time, I thought nothing of it as my bursting bladder was the only thing that I could focus on. I peered over this rough little wall and into the darkness onto what could only be a yard of some sort. Hell, I could see the blades of grass making up a nice private area where I could then handle my business. Satisfied with my reconnaissance of the area, I positioned myself perpendicular with the wall. I then proceeded to place both of my hands atop its porous surface and planted my feet. I was preparing for a jump. More of an acrobatic move, really, where you'd see someone in a movie hang on to a railing, start to lean back and squat real low, only then to bound upward while pulling with the arms for added speed and effect. At the top of the movement, one might tuck your knees up, push down into the wall, and get a little hang time. You might even call it a vault. Quick, effective, a touch of the dramatic. This is what I was going for. I launched myself up and over the wall, 
both feet easily clearing the four-foot obstacle. My body followed the natural rotation and prepared to meet the ground. Only nothing was there to meet my landing. What had gone wrong? I clearly remember seeing blades of grass and ground to land on. I checked once. No, I checked twice to make sure that I had a place to go. Where the hell was the floor? You know those times when you think that there's one more step on a staircase or that you don't realize that you still got one more to go? Well, the difference between that and this is that I was fully committed to the execution. My left foot couldn't catch up to the right and correct itself with a little shimmy of the hips before carrying on with my day. No, sir, I was airborne. Both feet had yet to find purchase of any sort to make a landing or stop my descent. As it turns out, when you mix the orange sodium street lights with the exact amount of beer I had in my system at this point in time, the combination can give off an effect that some might call a dazzle or a burst. If you've been walking for some time with these lights in your eyes, then look into a very dark space. Those dazzles and bursts might stay with you a little bit, and what you might see just may look to you like blades of grass. I swore I'd seen grass, though. Now, the human brain can perform about a thousand basic operations per second, and this brain had been past the point of planned landing for that one entire second. Only thing was that I hadn't landed. So naturally, a thousand things were flying through my head that begged to answer the question, where is the ground? Then my foot hit something hard. Not really a hit, more of a clip. Something hard and something that only partially hit me because it sent me spinning from my original trajectory. What was the descent after a well-timed, well-placed vault over a century-old concrete partition quickly turned into an inverted head-over-heels spin into the hands of gravity. I was still falling. To add to the scene, there weren't any of those orange lights down here, so as I fell, the wall that I had jumped over turned to a sharp partition between the tangerine glow and absolute darkness. Whatever I hit sent me from falling feet first into a 180 degree spin to falling head first into total blackness. Something in my lizard brain told me to try to correct myself, so I shot my arms out to the side in what can best be described as a feline attempt to right myself before landing. Another second passed, a thousand more things flying through my head. Then, I hit. I landed on something heavily sloped. A sharp pain announced itself on my right upper arm, and then it was gone. The adrenaline had temporarily taken care of it. The shock of the moment had me dazed. I was on my back, looking upward 20 feet from where I'd been just moments ago. As it were where I decided to relieve myself, there was no yard. Go figure. The lights had played a trick on my eyes and caused an optic bursting effect to remain as I peered over into the darkness. What I had just jumped over this small wall and into was an overpass on a railroad track. Had I jumped from the middle of the bridge, I would have have landed on the tracks themselves and maybe riding this from a more permanently seated position today. For whatever reason, I made my way to the end of that little wall and landed on the downward slope leading to the tracks below. 
That pain in my arm I felt upon landing was where a cut sapling had acted as a punji spike and left a nasty gash in my upper right arm, six inches to the left, and we're in the territory of vital organs. I was in a phase where I would tuck my shoelaces into my shoes and not tie them. It was a fashion thing. Don't ask me why. Call it a statement. Well, having them untied like that, the little gangster that I was, the right shoe, the one that was on the lower part of the slope where I hit the hardest, it flew off into the darkness, never to be seen again. All in all, I seemed to be doing all right. As my wits return to me, I do a quick check to make sure I'm in one piece. All said and done, this really isn't too bad. I'm alive. Nothing seems to be broken, so that's a win. I'm bleeding, sure, but that isn't anything I can't handle. If I'm being completely honest here, my biggest concern is that I cannot find my other shoe. I'm out with my friends, old enough to be out on a school night, on my way to my very first nightclub experience, and I jump off a bridge and lose a shoe? No way is this stopping me. As I lay there weighing my options and formulating a plan, I saw the silhouettes of two, then three, then four heads pop up like shadow puppets on the wall. The friends I was with shouted to me below, Hey, you okay? What the hell, man? I replied that I was okay, but I was pretty bummed that I had lost a shoe. The heads turned side to side to look at one another, then asked what the hell I was thinking jumping off of a bridge. It turns out I was the only one who hadn't registered this as an architectural structure and not just some street leading to a yard where I could relieve myself. I said that I lost my shoe. I barked up as I got to my feet and clambered toward the wall I would now have to scale to get back onto the street. Feeling my way through the darkness, I found what had sent me spinning into my descent. It was a bunching of railroad pilings that were in place to support the bridge from the underside. Not so long ago, these pilings, I thought, were sending me to my demise. They would now be my savior as I clambered through the heavy darkness of the summer night toward them and up back into the light. As I scaled back over the faded prime of the concrete wall, knowing full well what lay beyond, I climbed up hand over hand, finding purchase in the dark, and made it back up to the light. Beginning with just a hand grip, then moving to elbows, then pushing myself up to the waist, I slung one leg over, then another, and planted both feet on the ground. My right shoe gone. I looked myself over, and making sure everything was intact, I dusted myself off and took a big breath to recalibrate. Well, that was something, I said to the group. Exclamations and mutterings were expressed towards my foolishness at the exchange with the bridge. Now that it was clear nothing serious had happened, everyone relaxed back into their former selves and commenced scolding me on my shoot-from-the-hip execution of things. I did not know that the entire group of my friends were all experts on the matter of bridge jumping under duress. We continued our journey towards the spot. There's a line out front. This is no surprise, but the line is formed long and on the left-hand wall opposite the door. My right foot had no shoe. What was I going to do? If I was expecting to get into this thing and make some stories to tell later on, then this problem would have to be solved. Then, an inspiration from above. Genius. 
I am a teenage genius. I put the left shoe on the right foot and leaned on the wall in line just so that my one socked foot was blocked by the right one in its shoe that was borrowed from the left. I'll give you a moment to paint that mental picture. Ten people ahead of me. This had to work. No way did we come all this way to get turned back over lack of a complete set of footwear. I'll admit I was nervous, but the trick is in the confidence of your presentation. Security started on our group with just two people before me. I leaned a little more to make sure my socked foot was covered, but not too much to make it look suspicious. It was my turn. Go time. I shuffled up in the, I don't care, it's whatever, way that we did back then. I handed my ID to the bouncer with an attitude that said, we're supposed to be here. It's a better scene with us inside. Author's note, I highly recommend this tactic when entering any public establishment, as it has opened many doors for me. No pun intended. The bouncer looked at my ID for a long moment, then hit my face with his light. Back to the ID. Back to the face. Back to the ID. I was a little nervous, but we still had the wardrobe change if this went south. I could go without having my ID taken, though. It was a really good fake. Oh, sorry. Novelty ID that never got turned down anywhere. The bouncer studied me for what felt like longer than necessary. Then he spoke those all-inclusive words to me. Like Gabriel blowing his horn, my ears heard the golden sound of this heavenly sentry as he harked the words upon me. Welcome to the spot. Our entrance to this utopia had been granted. We were admitted to a world soaked in rich, deep sounds and orchestras of light. After besting the trials to obtain entry to this mecca of gallivantry, the rest of the evening unfolded without incident. The music was loud and the lights were up high. Down low, where we stood, I still had this one shoe left, and it was still on the wrong foot. I figured that one was no good without its match, and since that one was long gone, I decided to kick it off and charge it to the game. Now only in my socks, my feet quickly soaked with who-knows-what that was covering the floor. You may wonder whether this bothered me or not. In the past hour, I had accidentally jumped off of a bridge, almost impaled myself on a tree sapling, which was still lightly bleeding, lost a shoe, used false documentation to best the sentries at the gate, and now, now, I was in the middle of my very first nightclub experience, with no shoes on my feet, my friends all around me, and a drink in my hand. So, did this bother me? Not one bit. Not one bit. Besides, it's pretty tough to dance with just one shoe on your foot. I hope you've enjoyed this audio presentation of The Bridge, an excerpt from Shit Not To Do, Tales From My Younger Years. If there's a lesson to be had here, it's to look twice before you leap. Thank you for listening. Fitness can be monotonous, but it doesn't have to be. You are unique and your programming should serve you specifically. Head over to philiplevy.com and see if you're a good fit for one of our custom-tailored programs. P-H-I-L-I-P-L-E-V-I dot com.